Good morning. Good morning. Let's read the word of the Lord. Genesis 22, 1 through 19. Sometime later, God tested Abraham. He said to him, Abraham, here I am, he replied. Then God said, take your son, your only son, Isaac, whom you love, and go to the region of Moriah. Sacrifice him there. Excuse me. Sacrifice him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains I will tell you about. Early the next morning, Abraham got up and saddled his donkey. He took with him two of his servants and his son Isaac. When he had cut enough wood for the burnt offering, he set out for the place God had told him about. On the third day, Abraham looked up and saw the place in the distance. He said to his servants, stay here with the donkey while I and the boy go over there. We will worship and then we will come back to you. Abraham took the wood for the burnt offering and placed it on his son Isaac, and he himself carried the fire and the knife. As the two of them went on together, Isaac spoke up and said to his father, Abraham, Father, yes, my son, Abraham replied. The fire and the wood are here, Isaac said, but where is the lamb for the burnt offering? Abraham answered, God himself will provide the lamb for the burnt offering, my son. And the two of them went on together. When they reached the place God had told him about, Abraham built an altar there and arranged the wood on it. He bound his son, Isaac, and laid him on the altar on top of the wood. Then he reached out his hand and took the knife to slay his son. But the angel of the Lord called out to him from heaven, Abraham, Abraham, here I am, he replied. Do not lay a hand on the boy, he said. Do not do anything to him. Now I know that you fear God, because you have not withheld from me your son, your only son. Abraham looked up, and there in a thicket he saw a ram caught by its horns. He went over and took the ram and sacrificed it as a burnt offering instead of his son. So Abraham called that place, the Lord will provide. And to this day, it is said, on the mountain of the Lord, it will be provided. The angel of the Lord called to Abraham from heaven a second time and said, I swear by myself, declares the Lord, that because you have done this, and have not withheld your son, your only son, I will surely bless you and make your descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky and as the sand on the seashore. Your descendants will take possession of the cities of their enemies, and through your offspring all nations on earth will be blessed because you have obeyed me. Then Abraham returned to his servants, and they set off together to Beersheba, And Abraham stayed in Beersheba. Amen. Any reading of the word of the Lord is, commands our attention. Maybe you've heard the story of a man who lived in a community near a river. And during the rainy season, this river would often start to flood 
And this one particular season, it was very rainy. And so warnings went out. The authority said, everyone needs to evacuate. The floodwaters, they're rising. We need to get people out. And this gentleman said, no, I'm, I'm okay. I'm going to stay. God will save me. And then as the floodwaters started to rise, they started to come into his house. And a young family went by on a rowboat, and they said, Sir, we've got space for you. Please come with us. And he waved them off. He said, Oh, no, God will save me. The rain continued. The floodwaters continued to rise now up to the second floor of his home. Now a police boat comes by. Sir, come in the boat. It's time to go to higher ground, to safety. Oh no, he says, God will save me. And he waves the police boat off. The floodwaters continue to rise. He's now on the roof, leaning against the chimney of his home. And a helicopter comes by, stops overhead, and they say, we're going to throw down a rope. Hold on to the rope. We'll bring you to safety. He says, no, God will save me. I know God will save me. He's going to do something great. He's going to save me. And so he waves the helicopter off. The floodwaters continue to rise. The man ends up drowning. And he goes to heaven, and he says, Lord, I kept praying, and I kept praying. Why didn't you save me? And the Lord says, I sent you a warning. I sent you two boats and a helicopter. What more did you want? Sometimes we don't see when God provides. We're in a series on the names of God because God reveals himself to us through his names. You know, when I introduce myself to someone, I say, hi, my name is Kristen, but that only tells them my name. That only tells them what to call me. That doesn't tell them anything about my character, but God's names reveal his character to us. We've discovered him as the great I am. None is greater than he. We've learned that he is Jehovah M. Kadesh, the one who is holy and set apart. Last week we learned God is Jehovah Rafi, the one who heals. But that our healing goes beyond the physical, that our healing includes our spiritual healing, the healing of the attitude in our heart. In our text this morning, God is revealed as Jehovah Jireh, the one who will provide. Now let's do a quick background on Abraham. Now Abraham was about 70 years old when God called him to leave his family and his homeland. So at the age of 75, then God promises Abraham that from his descendants, a great nation would come. God promises him a son. Years later, When it appears that God isn't fulfilling his promise, Abraham and Sarah decide to help God along. And so Abraham sleeps with Sarah's maidservant. She gets pregnant and has Ishmael. Abraham is almost 90 years old now. 
many years since God made that promise. God once again promises Abraham an heir through the wife, Sarah. Sarah laughs at God's promises, but a year later she gives birth to Isaac. Now Abraham is 100 years old. Isaac begins to grow. Sarah gets jealous of Ishmael, so Abraham sends Hagar and Ishmael off into the wilderness. And people say the Bible's boring. God wrote the original drama, didn't he? Now, this brings us up to chapter 22 of Genesis, verse 1, where it says, sometime later. So that's where we're at. Sometime later is right now. God tested Abraham. He said to him, Abraham, here I am, he replied. Now, we've talked about testing the last few weeks. Testing is a way for God to show us what's in our hearts. Testing is not for God. Testing is for us. It's not meant to break us. It's meant to grow us, prove our faith is genuine. Any, any of you have appliances at home? Toaster, maybe? Even some hair dryers. They have that little tag on the electrical cord that says it was tested from the underwriter's laboratory. Now, they tested it to make sure it was working. They didn't test it to break it. They tested it to make sure it was working as the instruction manual says it should. In much the same way, our tests prove that our faith is working like our instruction manual says it should. God's provision comes through our faith. God's provision comes through our obedience. Too often we think of Jehovah Jireh and all the material things, all the physical things. But God is not a Santa in the sky. He's not a genie waiting to fulfill our every request. Twenty years ago, before I accepted Jesus as my Lord and Savior, I called myself a Christian. I believed in God. I believed in Jesus as the Son of God. But back then, God was what I made him to be. Not who he actually was according to his word. But you see, I knew I wasn't Jewish. I knew I wasn't an atheist. I wasn't Hindu or any other religion. So by default, I called myself a Christian. But I call myself now, it was a small c Christian. Small c because God was not at the center of my world. I was. See, now I call myself a follower of Christ. Because I'm different than the Christian that I used to call myself. Shortly after I became a believer all those years ago. I was hungry, and I was thirsty, and I used to listen to Christian music. And there was one song that kept just sticking in my head. It's a hymn called Through It All. And I would listen to that song, and I'd say, wow, that is some big faith. 
to be able to praise God and have faith in him through the biggest trials, through it all, wow, I wonder if I have that kind of faith. I want that kind of faith. Wasn't that much long after that the diagnosis came. You have brain cancer, they said. And there was my test. There was my test. It was as if God was saying, you want to have that kind of faith? Here, it's here for your taking. You see, God wants to make sure that we have nothing on the throne of our lives in place of him. God longs to bless us according to his will. He enjoys giving us Isaacs. It brings him joy. But if we love our Isaacs more than him, then our Isaacs will have to be sacrificed. God will not allow another God before him in our lives. For me back then, it was health. I took it for granted. In our text this morning, we see God target the thing that was most dear to Abraham, Isaac. See, God is always working, transforming us into the image of Jesus. He's always drawing us into dependence upon him. But in our human nature, we strive to be independent. We want independence. God desires dependence. We want to fight for our rights. God desires surrender. He'll target anything that has supremacy in our hearts over him. And so the testing of Abraham begins. So God gives him three commands. Take your son. Go to the region of Moriah. Sacrifice him there as a burnt offering. Abraham had heard a similar command before when God commanded him to leave Ur, to leave his safety, security, his family. But this time, the cost was higher. In following God, there's always a cost. It cost God his son. It's going to cost us something as well. Our surrender. Turning our will over to his will. Following God takes total commitment. There's another story of a chicken and a pig on a farm. And it was the farmer's birthday. And so they were trying to come up with a way to celebrate And so the chicken says, I have it. I have a great idea. Let's make him a hearty breakfast of scrambled eggs and bacon. And the pig says, well, that's good for you. For you, that's just a donation. But for me, that's a sacrifice. I have to go all in. And that's what God wants of us. He wants us all in. Are we committed to him? Are we willing to sacrifice our lives Back to him. That's what his desire is. We see Abraham surrender. 
We see his commitment to God in his response to God's commands. Verse 3 says, Early the next morning, Abraham got up. No argument. Doesn't ask for more information. Doesn't ask others for their advice. You know what God just told me to do? What do you think? You think I should do it? No, no. He doesn't say, Lord, can I pray about this for a few days? No, he immediately obeys. He doesn't hesitate. He doesn't procrastinate. And he doesn't bellyache. He puts his faith into action. See, Abraham understood that delayed obedience always leads to disobedience. If you know what God wants you to do and you put it off, it's disobedience. Delayed obedience is immediate disobedience. Partial obedience is still disobedience. And both rob us of the joy of God's provision. See, the thing is, we have to be careful about allowing our butts to get in the way. We say things like, well, I would like to do that, Lord, but I can't. Because, oh, name any excuse. We'll, we'll just throw any excuse in there. But what we should really be saying is, when we put our butts in the right place, I don't understand how God's going to do this. I don't know how this can happen. But my God will provide a way for it to happen. Then the next thing Abraham did was he prepared He got up and he loaded his donkey. He took two servants. He got Isaac ready. And he cut wood for the offering. You see, by being prepared, Abraham was eliminating excuses. He wasn't going to get to the top of that mountain and make an excuse for his disobedience. Sorry, God, I forgot the wood. Oh, we're going to have to go back. Be prepared. You know... We love excuses, and pastors hear a lot of them. Here's a sampling. I miss church because it's just too hot. Tell you what, bring a fan. I miss church because it's too cold. The AC is up too high. Bring a sweater. Bring a blanket. Oh, well, you know what? I can't go to church because the church is just full of hypocrites. That's like saying you can't go to the gym because it's full of overweight people. It makes no sense. Oh, you know what? I'm too tired. I can't make it to church. I'm too tired. If you are too tired to come to church, you need to reassess your priorities because something is not right. I got up late, so I missed service. How often do you miss church? I mean, uh, miss work because you overslept. How often do you let your kids miss school because they overslept? I bet never. But it's okay, I overslept, so I can't get ready for church, so I'll just skip it. You see, there are reasons and there are excuses. 
We have no control over reasons. I was in a car accident. I couldn't get to church. I was in the hospital. I couldn't get to church. I had to work. I couldn't get to church. I was sick, so I couldn't get to church. You see, those are reasons. We don't have control. We do have control over our excuses. And we offer excuses to convince ourselves that our disobedience towards God is okay. That's why we make excuses. Because we know we're in the wrong, and we're trying to make it look right. Otherwise, we would just do it without arguing, without second-guessing God. Being prepared helps us get rid of our excuses. And then on the third day, Abraham looked up and saw the place. He'd been walking for three days. You know, he's over 100 years old at this point. That takes perseverance. And God is silent. God says nothing during these three days. You ever, be, you ever find yourself in those situations where you step out in faith and you're struggling and God is silent? Do what Abraham did. He kept going. He just did what he knew God told him to do until he heard another word. And then he says to his servants, stay here with the donkey while I and the boy go over there. Why leave the servants behind? Wouldn't it have been helpful to have them help carry the wood up the mountain? Scripture doesn't tell us why Abraham left them behind. But maybe it was because he was afraid they would stop him from what God asked him to do. See, it's easy to find people that will talk us out of obeying God. Job had three friends and a wife who were all about escorting him away from God. We all have people in our lives who will pull us away from God if we allow them. One of the topics that we covered on Wednesday night at Bible study was about our freedom to choose friends and how we have to choose wisely. We need friends that will escort us into God's presence, not away. Friends that will help us and keep us accountable for our obedience to God, not pulling us away. And so Abraham and Isaac, they travel up the mountain, and Isaac finally asks that burning question. Father, where is the lamb for the burnt offering? And Abraham replies, God himself will provide the lamb. Abraham truly believed that God would provide. Abraham chose to believe God's promise over his circumstances. He trusted God to fulfill that promise of a great nation coming from Isaac, even though it seemed impossible. You know, there, at this point in the Bible, there's no precedent of God raising someone from the dead. Never mind that God was asking this to be a burnt offering. You know, a burnt offering is reduced to ashes. So this was not even taking a body and bringing it to life. This was 
creating a life from ashes, creating a whole nation from ashes. And Abraham believed that God could do it. So he continues. He proceeds in obedience. And then at the last second, Abraham is stopped. And God provides. As Abraham looks up, he sees a ram caught in the thicket. And he calls the place, the Lord will provide. In Hebrew, it is Jehovah Jireh. But you know what? Jehovah, uh, Jerome, uh, can't even talk to Jehovah Jireh. Jireh doesn't even mean to provide. You know, Jireh actually means to see. Well, then how do we get from see to provide? How does that, how's that connected? Because God's not constrained by time. He sees the past, the present, and the future all at once. And so we could say God foresees. And so God knows what we need before we see it. He's a God of God. God is a God of love. What kind of love would it be to recognize a need and then not provide it? That wouldn't be love. So what God does is he sees our needs and he provides for our needs before we are ever aware of them. Have you ever been caught by surprise? And then you start worrying, and you worry about it, and you worry, how am I going to do this? How am I going to fix this? Only to find out that God had already prepared the answer. He had already fixed it for you. Before you knew the problem was coming, there was a solution. Nothing ever occurs to God. God never says, oh, I didn't see that one coming. He knows all. He sees all. He is aware of all. He cares for all. And God longs to meet us at that place of our need. God was not only testing Abraham, but he was giving us a picture of what he would do in the future for his people, for you and me. He offered his one and only son whom he loved, and he provided us a way to have eternal life. God knows in advance what we need. And he's already made a perfect provision to address all our situations. But God provides so much more. Providing Jesus as a sacrificial lamb was just the tip of the iceberg. There's so much more. When we accept God's gift of grace through Jesus, he provides so much more. But we have to pay attention to the last words of God in this verse. I swear by myself, declares the Lord, that because you have done this and have not withheld your son, your only son, I will surely bless you and make your descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky and the sand on the seashore. Your descendants will take possession of the cities of their enemies, and through your offsprings, all nations on earth will be blessed. 
Pay attention. Because you have obeyed me. You see, God didn't want Isaac's life. That's not the point of this story. What God wanted was Abraham's heart. That's what he wants from each of you. When we endure trials or tests in our lives, it's because God wants our heart. He has provided a way for us, but we don't always see it. Are we obeying without reservation when God tests us? When he allows that test into our lives, how do we respond? Are we negotiating? Well, God, if you do this, I'll do this. Are we arguing? Are we resisting? Or are we obeying immediately? What is the Isaac in your life right now that you dearly love and you would rather God not ask you to release it? How would you answer God's question? Do you love me more than your health, your spouse, your children, your pride, your self-image, your career? The list could go on and on. Whatever that Isaac is for you, don't let it take God's place in your heart. Because God knows that earthly things are poor substitute gods. And that only he can fulfill our needs. But to understand that truth, we have to walk up that mountain the way Abraham did. We have to get to the other side. On the other side of that mountain, it gets better. We struggle in our walk because at the heart of the matter, we don't trust God to provide for us. We think we know what's best for us. And so we put limitations and expectations on how we think God should provide for us. Like the man in the flood at the beginning of our message, we miss the provision and the blessing completely. We fail to walk in obedience to what God calls us to do because we don't trust him to be faithful. We don't trust him at all. We fear that he won't provide. We fear that he won't come through for us. We fear that our obedience will cost us more than we want to pay. So we settle for the easy. We don't want to trust in the difficult. That's too hard. What is God calling you to sacrifice? When God spoke, Abraham obeyed. Even when he didn't understand. Even when the plan wasn't clear. Abraham trusted that God would live up to his name. Jehovah Jireh. The Lord will provide. It's one verse that's very key in our reading this morning. We will worship 
Abraham said, and then we will come back to you. Abraham knew that God was going to provide. He didn't know how, but he knew that he would. Can we honestly say, God, whatever you want, whatever it takes, Lord, because I love you and I know that you will provide whatever I need. God can and will provide exactly what we need, when we need it. Just because God delays, that doesn't mean he's denying it. But with Abraham, sometimes we have a deeper surgery in our heart. So when we come to the Lord, he can have our heart. We yield it to him. You know, Abraham's story seems incredible, unattainable for us. We read that story and we think, I could never do that. I could never bring my child and, and even think about that. But that's not the point of the story. The point of the story is God wants your heart. There's something that you might be holding on to in your life right now. That God's saying, release it to me. Release it to me. Stop letting it control you. Stop letting it take the throne where I belong. See, God is ready to assume full responsibility for the life that is wholly submitted to him. He will provide what you need for the life that is submitted and committed to him. But there is the one thing that he cannot provide. Because there's one thing that we need to bring ourselves. And that's our choice. We need to open our hand and release it to him. We need to say, Lord, I am here. My life is yours. Are we ready to submit our Isaacs? Do we trust that he will provide. I want to close in, in prayer. This whole service has been about prayer. God provides. If you want prayer, so please come forward to one of the altars and we will pray over you. Don't leave when here with the burden. Bring it before the Lord and release it. is alive God provides God provides in ways I can't